glad he belongs to you. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. We certainly thank the Lord for his goodness and grace. Let's thank everyone that's been involved in the music ministry here at Crossroads today. Let's give them thanks and gratitude. What a joy. There's a lot that people can call mine in this world. Mines, if you black. There's nothing better than calling mine than Almighty God. And he is a standing ovation. Everything he does is amazing. What a joy it is to be here. Leviticus chapter 10. Let's go there in the word of God. We've been dealing with the subject, strange fire. Say it with me. We define scripture with scripture. The best place to look for a Bible definition is in the Bible. And the best way to describe strange fire, there in Leviticus chapter 10, in verse number 1. Let's look there. The Bible says they offered strange fire before the Lord. And notice how we define it. Which he commanded them not. So let's not get too deep about this. Pastor, you know, you preach these messages, strange fire. I mean, strange is kind of a subjective term. I mean, different people describe strange different ways. Let's just keep it simple. Which he commanded them not. Doing stuff God didn't tell you to do. Doing stuff God told you not to do. Right? Sense of commission. Doing wrong. Sense of omission. Not doing right. Strange fire. It is, it is done in an effort of worship. Sacrifice. It's offered to God. I mean, it's bad enough to do wrong when you're doing somebody else wrong. It's even worse to do wrong in trying to offer it to God. This is what we're dealing with in Leviticus chapter 10. Look how they offered strange fire. Verse 1, they took either of him, his censer, put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire. Look now at verse number 3. This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. I will be sanctified. Now, he didn't just say they should be sanctified. He said, I will be sanctified. What is sanctification? It is the setting apart for God's work. The moment you get saved, you're sanctified. Somebody say amen. You're sanctified positionally. You are not in the same group you were in before you got saved. Say amen to that. Transfer from the family of Adam to the family of God. Pass from death unto life. A citizen of hell unto a citizen of heaven. That's not the same. You've been set apart. Well, see, what the world can't tell, they should be able to. But when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you the same way he looks at everybody else. I've heard people say, we're all God's children. That's a lie. We're not all God's children. Listen, everybody, listen. Not everybody in this building is my child. So you become a child by birth or you become a child by adoption. Now listen to me. You are born into the family of Adam. But when you get saved, you get born again into the family of God. You are not God's child just because. You're God's child because you've been born again. Somebody say amen. 
not the corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You're sanctified positionally when you get saved. But every single day you should be sanctified progressively. I am sanctified. I am being sanctified. Every day I should become more and more like Christ. Set apart. People should see that I'm not who I used to be. One day I'm going to be Permanently, permanently sanctified, perfectly sanctified, positionally, progressively, and perfectly. We know that when we see him, we should be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, we're fighting this flesh right now. Say amen if you know you're fighting the flesh. Say amen if you're losing sometime. Say amen if you're glad one day you ain't going to fight it, you ain't going to lose, because you're going to be just like Jesus. Let's give God the praise for that. Amen. I know you only got one hand. You're holding your Bible. You can't really praise him like this. Slap somebody. Beside. No, I'm just kidding. But in this verse, he didn't say they need to be sanctified. He's going to talk about that. Here's what God said, verse 3. I will be sanctified. Here's what he's saying. You ain't going to blur me with other gods. You ain't going to do me like you do other people. You ain't going to treat me like you do Buddha and Allah and Confucius and all those other things. When you worship me, you're going to worship me in such a way that I as God am sanctified in them. That were, You better treat me differently than you treat other. I'm not the big daddy upstairs. I'm not the butler you ring the bell for when you're thirsty. I'm not a prefix to your cuss word. I'm not a bailout to your problem. I'm not a shout out when you win an award by being profane and immoral. I'm not a few little dots in a song that's vulgar. No, 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 no. I am the God of gods. I'm the King of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm just. I'm true. I'm pure. I'm altogether lovely. And you worship me like you know who I am. Set me apart. When you don't, it's what? Strange fire. Later in the passage, God says to verse number 8, can we go there? And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine nor strong drink. Thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die, it shall be a statue forever throughout your generation. And that ye put what? Between and between. We weren't repeating. Verse 10, and that ye put difference between holy and unholy and between. That's what's wrong with worship anymore. You can't tell holy from unholy. You can't tell clean from unclean. What are you talking? You can't tell church from club. When that happens, it's what? Distinction is important. When there's no holiness, there's no distinction. And if you if you're not watching what the devil's doing, you must be asleep. The devil is using the mechanisms of the world to eliminate all distinctions. Distinction between saved and, lo and lost. Distinction between right and wrong. No distinction. Distinction between Christianity and all other religions. No distinction. Huh? Come on, you see it. No distinction between man and woman. No distinction between married and unmarried. Married people do something, unmarried people do something. It don't matter. As long as you love it. No, 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 no. God's distinctions matter. Right? And this is way back in the beginning of the Old Testament. God says there must be a difference. He said in verse 10, ye may put difference. And I've not forgotten that you're standing. I'll let you sit in just a minute. Between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. Now, verse number 11, and then sit down. 
And that ye may what? Teach who? Boy, now this is where we're messing up. It's bad enough we're offering strange fire. But by offering strange fire, we by our strange fire are misleading the children. Years ago, we made a decision to, to not have a teen church on Sunday mornings, but to have church and have the teens in it. I'm not against teen church. Some churches have a separate teen church at 11 o'clock. We have church with the teenagers in it because we want our young people, while they're adolescents, to experience what worshiping God looks like. We don't want them to think that worshiping looks like what they want it to look like in a teen form. We want them to understand that there's no teen worship and adult worship. There's just Christian worship. So we want to get them in here so that when they turn 18, they know what they're doing. Teach the children all the statutes which the Lord hath spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing. Use me to speak what thus saith the Lord. Hide me behind the cross of Christ. Thank you for being such a wonderful God, a great God, a faithful God. A loving God. Now, Lord, help us. We pray that you move in the service. If someone doesn't know Christ, might that one come to a saving knowledge of the truth today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Well, we've done much of an introduction while you were standing, right? Strange fire. We spent several weeks looking back at chapter number six. We saw that the cause of strange fire, number one, was because the consuming fire had not been what? Sustained. We're not looked at for sake of time, but repeatedly in chapter number six, the statement, my God, is made to Moses concerning the offering, concerning the fire. The fire of the altar shall be burning in it. The fire shall be burning in it. Verse 12, he shall burn thereon. Then he says, he shall lay wood. He says in verse number 13, the fire shall ever be burning. It shall never go out. And we saw in Leviticus chapter number 6, that the reason why they were acting, how they were acting in chapter 10 is because the fire had gone out. And the urge for us as believers, particularly in these last days, is to make sure that we don't ever get caught up offering strange fire because we make sure that the supernatural fire that God has erupted in our hearts does not go out. Now I'm asking you this week in the midst of all of the sin and all of the contamination and all of the wickedness and all of the worldly ideology in the midst of everything that's going on in our world, did your fire go out? We said that the fire begins from the receiving of the supernatural but the fire goes out when there is not a what? Removal of what? Sin. Sin is represented by what? The ashes. You cannot keep a fire burning if you keep it clogged with ashes. Can I ask you a question? Are you in church with a bunch of ashes? I'm just not enjoying myself. I'd just be glad when things are over. This preaching just gets on my nerves. It gets on your nerves when your nerves are full of sin. You're not going to enjoy worshiping a holy God when you're living an unholy life. 
You're not going to enjoy purity when you're living in impurity. You're not going to enjoy sanctification when you're living a life that's contrary to the word of God. So you must remove the ashes and then you must replace the wood. The removal of sin. The wood is signified by what? Scripture. We must have the removal of sin in the regular of scriptures. You cannot burn fire on the same wood forever. You've got to replace the wood. He said put wood in it every morning. Put the wood in it every morning. I would suggest to you if you want your fire burning, you get in the Bible every morning. What you do with the Bible will determine what God does with you. And then last week we said you must remain in the sanctuary. In order to replace the ashes, remove, replace the wood, in order to remove the ashes, you've got to stay in the sanctuary. The sanctuary at that time was a structure, but the sanctuary signifies the very presence of God. If I'm to maintain the fire that God has put in my life, I must be in the place where God is. I must dwell in his presence, abide in him, and he in me, in his presence is fullness of joy. I must walk with him, First John chapter 1, walk in the light as he is in the light. His blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness as he is in the world. So we should be walking with us and talking with us. I'm reminded when Mary went to hug Jesus after he had resurrected she first supposed, supposed him to be the gardener and once he said Mary he, she knew that this wasn't the gardener this was Jesus. By the way a good way to know Jesus is talking to you is when he calls you by name. You got to be on a first name basis with Jesus. Listen, listen, you're going through a trial, you're going through a difficulty. When he comes and meets you and personally calls you by name, you'll know it's him. And when he said to her, Mary, she said to him, Rabboni, which interpreted this master. And immediately her instinct is to grab and hug him. And, and he says to her, touch me not. I'm not yet ascended to my father. Touch me not. The, the novel student from the word of God looks at Jesus kind of rude. I mean, good gracious. She thought you were dead. You're alive. She thought you were a gardener. You're her master and she can't hug you. I'm not yet glorified. Here's what he was doing. He was getting Mary ready for a relationship she needed to get accustomed to. Mary, for the time that you've known me on earth, it's been a physical relationship. You reach and touch me and you hug me. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm getting ready to ascend to heaven. And what I'm getting ready to do in heaven is going to be sweeter than what we're doing on earth. It's not a physical relationship. It's a spiritual relationship. Thank God for the fact we get to hug and we get to see each other one-on-one. -on -one and we get to talk with each other. There's nothing like that physical touch. And you and I have experienced what it was like to not be able to be in church when we went through the pandemic and not have that interaction. But ladies and gentlemen, the spiritual relationship with God is a much different deeper relationship, a much intimate relationship. When I can't get to him physically, when I'm going through a trial, when I'm in the midst of the fire, when I can't call somebody on a regular phone, aren't you glad he's on the main line and the spirit line between God and me cannot be interrupted by the devil because Jesus has made a way whereby I can get to God. I must remain in the sanctuary. Now let's look quickly. The consuming fire has not been sustained. Number two, why did they offer strange fire? The current farce, I mean, a farce is, is somewhat of an, of an insult. It's, it's a joke. It's, it's, it's not real. The current farce is from the wrong source. Go back to chapter 10, would you? Look again at verse number 1. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of him his sons and did what? Put fire there. In. What you got to put fire there in if it's already burning? Put fire there. In. And what? Put incense. This is a concoction. Let's light the fire, let's stir up some incense, and let's get something burning. Watch this now, because what God got burning is no longer burning. 
Jesus said the book of Revelation to John the Revelator, the first section of the chapter. He said, I write unto the churches. And he wrote seven letters to seven churches. And here was the threat of Jesus to the churches who were not living as they should. I will remove my candlestick from you. He got to the last church, the church of Laodicea. And if you study the book of Revelation, we believe that the seven churches are indicative of seven different kinds of churches that exist at all times. But we also believe that those seven churches are indicative of stages in church history. And you come to the seventh church, which, the, which is the last church, which is the church of Laodicea. And Jesus says of them, you're not cold nor hot, you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. This is Jesus in so many words saying, your kind of church makes me sick. They were content to be how they were. They were self-sufficient. They were full of pride. They were a rich city, and they felt like all that the stuff they had was a replacement for the Savior they needed. And so Laodicea is getting a letter from Jesus, and Jesus ends this letter, Revelation chapter 3. Look at it when you get, a get some time. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3 to the church at Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I've heard this message preached time and time of preachers on salvation. If you're lost, Jesus is knocking on your heart's door. He wants to save you. He wants to let you in. He wants you to accept him as your savior. He wants to cleanse you of your sin. By the way, he'll have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Amen. The Lord wants everybody saved. If you agree with that, say amen. He is. The Holy Ghost of God wants everybody saved. But in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is not knocking on the heart's door of a lost man. He is knocking on the door of the church. And how utterly embarrassing it is for a church to be having church and Jesus ain't even there. So what do you do when the source of fire doesn't even attend the service? I tell you what you do. You get you a saucer and you get you some fire and you get you some incense and you get up on the platform and you stir up some fire. You don't got Jesus fire so you make up your own fire and Jesus says it's strange fire. So well, how does it begin? Taking notes today. Fleshly ministers. Fleshly ministers. The current farce is from the wrong source. So now we got two fellas in the sanctuary leading worship while living in the flesh. Let me say it again. Leading worship while living in the flesh. So I pose a question to you. Does being a spiritual minister matter? Let me ask you again. Does being a spiritual minister matter? Okay, well, well it'd, be, it'd probably be good to define a minister. Because some of you think, yeah, because I wouldn't go to no church where the pastor, no, 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 the minister in the scripture means servant. That's you. You're a minister. Now, you may not be minister in title in some churches, but you are minister in definition at the pure sense. We are all ministers of God. We are servants of God. So now let's repose the question. Does being a spiritual servant matter? 
Should you be a spiritual servant if you are leading others to worship? Hmm. Verse number nine, he said, don't drink strong drink, nor thy sons with thee. The implication here, it's not outright stated, but the implication here is almost as if God is saying, them boys not only stirring up the wrong kind of fire, they got a drinking problem. Why, why would God, on the heels of this foolishness, say to Moses, don't drink strong wine, nor thy sons? The implication of these fellows, perhaps, perhaps, I can't give you credible evidence, but perhaps they were in there stirring up stuff and acting a fool because before they went in there, they were drinking stuff they shouldn't drink. Well, it's a tough challenge, isn't it? I'm not talking about not drinking. Some of you say, Pastor, it really is. I've never tasted alcohol, so it doesn't tempt me. For some of you, it does. You ought to know where your strong temptations are. Bless God, if a hurricane's coming, you put boards on the house that are easily penetrable, right? The windows that are glass, why? Because they're exposed. You, you, You put barriers up because the areas that are exposed are most weak, and those weak areas are the ones you want to make sure don't get penetrated. Come on now. If you used to drink, then bless God, you shouldn't be soul winning at the ABC store. Because you're too weak there. Preach, pastor. You struggle with pornography. You might not need a phone where you can get access to some websites. Come on. You're on a diet. You shouldn't apply to work at Krispy Kreme. You ought to know where you're weak. Come on. What's wrong in Leviticus chapter 10? We've got fellas who are living in the flesh that are leading in worship. They're supposed to be responsible for leading the worship that offers incense to a holy God in honor and respect to his character and his demonstration of faithfulness to the people of God. And they're in the sanctuary representing the people leading in worship. And yet they got a drinking problem and a fleshly problem. And they're wallowing around in carnality while trying to demonstrate spirituality. Please listen, please listen, please listen. You can't wallow in carnality and try to produce spirituality at the same time two can't walk together except they be agreed you can't love God and love mammon at the same time you got to love the world or hate the world you got to love Christ and hate the devil the problem is people are trying to merge the flesh and the spirit in the same place call it worship as long as it sounds right it looks right and it appears right God's too smart for that so So how do we uh, how do we regulate it? Maybe we should put a basket out next week and suggestions on how to regulate spirituality in leaders. Anybody? I mean, how do you do it? How how can you ensure that everyone that leads in worship is spiritual? You can't follow them, but you gonna bug them. Put cameras on them, spies. Raise money. Next, I mean, last week we raised money for widows. Next week we raised money for private investigators. You can't. You, you can't regulate spirituality. You can set leadership responsibilities. You can preach the truth. But listen, nobody determines whether you're spiritual except for you. 
Shouldn't it be that God in his person, shouldn't it be that God in his character, shouldn't it be that the work of God is so important, that is so respected out of you, that you ought to have enough respect for God to say, if I'm not going to be spiritual, then I won't try to lead. It blows my mind at churches that are so talent hungry that they'll, they'll put a blindfold on their eyes to blatant sin. Boy, that boy, I tell you what, boy, that boy, he can play them drums. Boy, that boy, boy he, can, he, can, he can play them drums. Yeah, we know because he play them everywhere. But he shouldn't leave the go-go on Saturday and come up and play church on Sunday. Yeah, but he can play. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we don't have him up here just because he can play. We have him up here because he's leading worship that's directed to a holy God. And how we live really matters because God is not just any God. He said, I will be sanctified. Let him sit down if he can play if he's not pure. Well, she can sing. Well, she can sing. She, well, she just got singing in her lungs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Singing in her lungs and, and worldliness in her life. Fleshly ministers. Does it matter? All of our Sunday school teachers. None of you are sinless, but you ought to be trying your best to sin less. Our Sunday school teachers should be desiring to live a life of holiness all week long. You don't get ready for your class on Sunday. You live like you're ready for your class all week long. Our deacons are not perfect men. But they should be men striving to live for God. And any one of them, including us as pastors, that decides that we don't want to live for God, have, have, have enough respect for God to step down. Our choir members... So what makes you a good choir member? Coming to all the rehearsals? Raising your hand at the right part? Learning the words? Now you can cheat. <laughs> well, you've been cheating. I've seen you. What makes a good choir member? How, how do you know? Boy, they can sing and make a good choir member. So I've heard some people say, I can't get in the choir, I can't sing. Some people that can sing shouldn't be in the choir. I mean, what, what makes a good choir member? It depends on who you're singing to. How I many of you singing for American Idol? What makes you good is you can sing. You singing for the voice, what makes you good if you can sing? America's Got Talent, what makes you good if you can sing? A karaoke bar, I guess it really doesn't matter. But when you're singing representing the mighty name of Jesus and you're singing representing a holy God, I'm talking about God of all gods and king of all kings, it ought to be that early in the morning, I get up in the morning, I've got to stand up on this stage and sing songs about, oh God, let my heart be cleansed, let my mind be pure, let me live a holy life, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, oh God, my strength and my redeem. I may mess up on a word, I may run out of breath, I may not hold the vibrato just right, maybe I need to work on that. And by the way, God's worthy enough, you ought to work on all those technicalities when you sing, but more than technicality, there ought to be a spirituality that exudes from our soul that says, I'm not singing to Buddha, I'm not singing to Allah, I'm not singing to get a scholarship, I'm not singing to cut a record, I'm not singing that people can give me hits on the internet, I'm singing to Almighty God. 
So what about ushers? It's holy money, isn't it? Well, we, just, we need somebody to hold a plate, do we? Wouldn't it be better to usher with two spiritual ushers than six carnal ones? And I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But you ought to be progressing. Fleshly ministers. Let me give you one more thought. I know it's raining. You can't even leave. <laughs> you don't want to get your hair wet. You got to stay. Hopefully it dries down. Fleshly ministers. Here's another one. Frivolous manufacturing. Stir it up, stir it up. Stir it up, stir it up. Get you some incense, get you some fire. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, Sakura. Japanese steakhouse. Just, you ever watch them guys pour it in there? That's what happened in a lot of churches. It's impressive, isn't it? Frivolous manufacturing. Let me give you three thoughts to think about. You can go home. Ecumenicalism. This is a better understanding among religious faiths. It's Christian unity. Seeking to promote worldwide religious unity. Ecumenicalism is the movement that exists in religion today that says it doesn't matter what you believe. We can all join hands and hearts together. And it doesn't matter what Bible you read and what way you say to go to heaven. We're all God's children and we're all trying to get there and we're all going to get there our own way. So let's all join hands. Listen, 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 listen. That is frivolous manufacturing. How in the world is a man who says you get to heaven through Jesus and a man that says you get to heaven through Allah going to join hands together? Be careful, beloved, that you're not becoming ecumenical in your spiritual resources. Some people don't know what church to go to because they listen to too many fools. You can't listen to everybody. I said you can't listen to everybody. I like the way she preaches. Huh? I've heard him say, I like the way she preaches. Forget about her content. Let's talk about her, her practice. Frivolous manufacturing. Somebody online is going to get mad with me. But the Bible is very clear about women preachers. It has nothing to do with their ability. I'm convinced maybe God didn't let them preach because it would be just an, another area where they outdid us. I heard some, I heard some, I don't know if he was well-intentioned or he was an intentional manipulator, but I heard someone imply recently, yes, women can preach because the, the, the ladies that came to, the, to, to, the, to anoint Jesus' body were the first ones that the angels announced that Jesus was alive and he told them to go tell it to the apostles. And when they went and told it to the apostles, they were the first preachers of the resurrection because they preached the That's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. 
It's like me telling my secretary, I need to call this pastor and tell him I'll be in town at this time. And he says, well, your secretary just preached to me, told me you'd be in town. She told him some facts. All those ladies did say, he ain't in the tomb. He's risen just as he said. They weren't practicing the office of preaching. They were telling good news, and everybody in here should be doing it. But in the context of the local church, Paul was very clear. I suffer not a woman to teach, you know, you usurp authority over a man, but to be in subjection. It has nothing to do with insubordination. has nothing to do with less of value. has nothing to do with degrading women. has nothing to do with men are better. has nothing to do with ma making women less. I wouldn't pastor a church if it was all men. All we'd do was eat. <laughs> and it wouldn't be that good. Hardest working me members in Crossroads Baptist Church are the ladies. There's no question, and every man knows it. But preaching is not one of the places where they're going to work hard. It has nothing to do with, I don't want a woman now to preach me. It has something to do with what God says. God has an order. It's amazing. People say, well, Deborah was a prophetess. That's not preaching. Anna was a prophetess. That's not preaching. Study the priesthood of the Jews. You'll never find one woman in the priesthood. You'll never find one woman that was, that was in the priesthood of the Jews. Paul said to Timothy when he gave the requirements of a, of a pastor, he said very simply, a bishop must be the husband of one wife. I've never met a woman that was a husband. Nowadays you meet some, but I don't, I'm not acknowledging it. She can call herself a husband. She ain't one. She's what God made her. It's too late. I don't like what I, too late. He didn't ask me. He didn't have to. He knew what you were supposed to be. Leave it alone. It's manufacturing. And it happens around here. I do funerals and Reverend so-and-so and prophetess so-and-so all come in. God bless you. But that's just, just that's not in the Bible. I'm a bishop. Was a bishop. I'm a, I'm a pastor of several churches. Where is that in the Bible? The word bishop, the word pastor, the word shepherd are all indicative of the same office in the pastor. A bishop didn't have ten churches and a shepherd have one church and a pastor. No, bishop, pastor, shepherd, they're indicative of the characteristics. The bishop being overseer, shepherd being a, a, a one that leads, a, 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 and an a elder being one of experience. But all the office of a pastor. We've created nonsense. Ecumenicalism. How about this? Emotionalism. I like that grunt. The tendency to show emotion quickly or easily, to appeal to emotions, especially in a way to advance some belief or agenda. Bless God, somebody stand up here. Five, five, ten people and tell them if you love the Lord, uh, if loving the Lord is wrong, uh, I don't want to be right. And listen, half a minute is lost as a goose. I preached funerals. They were going off. Hallelujah. Stomping, clapping, hopping all around. Got to the end of the service, gave the invitation. If you're not saved, put your hand up. Hopper, hopper, dancer, crunker, all of them getting saved. I wonder if they'd gotten saved earlier if they had been in churches that didn't focus so much on emotionalism instead of focused on exposition. Pastor, are you telling us that services should not be emotional? Now, you know good and well. 
If I'm saying that, we done done a whole bunch of sinning today. But when we are praying on the emotion to advance an agenda, as opposed to rooting our advancement in truth, it is strange fire. And sometimes churches have convinced people to do stuff because they've got them so emotionally charged. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Go mortgage your house, give it to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's emotionalism. Terry for the Holy Ghost. Terry, 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 Terry. Terry for the Holy Ghost was an instruction that Jesus Christ gave the disciples in the book of Acts, not an instruction for every believer. They were tearing for the Holy Ghost because he had not yet been sent. You're not tearing for the Holy Ghost because you got him when you got saved. You don't need to tear for the Holy Ghost. He's already there. <laughs> Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, as God gave it. Well, what kind of church do you want? A church to get you pumped up or a church to teach you the truth? Ain't nothing wrong getting pumped up, but just know what you pumped up about. I'm finished after this. Experimentalism. The theory of practice depending on experimentation, fondness of the experience, experiments and new experiences and procedures. We're just trying something. Let's just, we, we, the Lord just told me to just try this. Stop lying on God. I'm tired of Christian people getting God's, putting God's name on. God gave me peace about this. He didn't give you peace about sinning. Huh? Yeah, because you put his name there doesn't mean you didn't forge. Just because nobody stopped you from signing God's name doesn't mean you weren't wrong. You've heard me say a thousand times, you can go up to the hospital, pull up in a spot that says medical doctor, pull up in there, that'll make you a doctor. God told me, Pastor, the Lord is leading me. Tell me what he's leading you to do. Well, after you say dot, 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 I can already tell you he didn't lead you to do something that he already told you not to do in the Bible. Better be careful about dipping and dabbling in stuff. I'm going to try a new this, and I'm going to try a new that. I'm going to try me a new Bible. I'm going to try me a new thought. And we're going to try a new plan, and we're going to try a new method, and we're going to try. You try anything you want to try as long as it doesn't violate the word of God. I like, I like to hear them boys talking. Oh, man, 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 we forgot them old dashes. Oh, my goodness. Over here, over here drinking, we didn't even take the wood and replace the wood. Ain't, ain't, ain't no fire in here. Nay, Dad, what we gonna do about who's I know we do, man. Get that fire over here. I like that thing up right there. Here, give me, get some of that incense over there. Pour it in here. By the way, the fire nor the incense was bad. It was all in the sanctuary. You can use good stuff to do a bad thing. Because if you use good stuff to do a bad thing, it's probably because you've done it the wrong way. Be careful. Be careful with mixing God's stuff and the devil's stuff and thinking that God's stuff overpowers the devil's stuff and therefore validates it. I'm just, I'm just telling you to be careful. Go home and think this week. Think about all the stuff you're listening to.
Be careful with your music. Be careful about this Christian rap and gospel gangsters and all. Just, just be careful. I'm telling you, it is Satan's way to lace back into your life what you just sang you weren't going back to. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And none of the people that get into it stay Christian. They just stay. It's just a pathway. It's just, it's just a vehicle. It's just a vehicle. Be careful. Be careful. Be, be careful about trends and fads, all of it. Phrases. I said, be careful. This is what they say now. Who's they? The problem is they not we. And we not they. For unto us was the word of God preached unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. See, there's a us and a them. Us heard it and them heard it. Them didn't get help, but us did. Us believed it and them didn't. And if us believed it, then us should behave different. And them don't behave different because them didn't believe it. So if us believe, us behave. And if us don't behave, us might not believe. Hmm. Be careful. It's a lot of phrases. People text me back, so what does that mean? Well, that's what we say. Who's we? Not what we say. Do you ever, did you ever look up what those initials mean? L-M-A-O? Don't let me get in your business. Huh? But be careful what you're putting down. You're a child of God. Well, it's just a text. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Every idle word shall be brought in. We've gotten too loose-lipped with the things of God. And I'm telling you, it's strange fire. Your kids talk to your parents, speak English. This is what we say. We got enough words to be, be, be making up new ones. And anything that has a vulgar implication is a degrading to women, is profane in connotation, is resemblance of Satanism or has an address from hell should be eliminated because it's strange fire. Listen to me. You're messing with the wrong person. I'm finished, but let me just say one else, something else. This whole same-sex, homosexual, Transgender movement is rooted in Satanism. And enough of this, I don't do it, but I'm not really that big, big, big problem with it. It's sin. We don't hate people, we don't condemn people, but we don't help them by telling them it's okay. Strange fire. Somebody said recently, I finally found me a, a church that. With Christian people who don't focus on rules, they focus on relationship. And, and now I can take my my movement and go into L B G T Q X B two X Y A B X C D M L O P Q U R all this there and just do what listen, I'm not listen, I love everybody and want to help everybody, but God help us. God help us when we want to throw out the Bible to fill up an auditorium.
And then the rest of the Christian people get on there. They, I don't do it. I just hit liked, 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 heart. Oh, tell your truth. That's a lie. It ain't your truth. There's only one truth. It's God's truth. Strange fire. Well, that boy can sing. He can sing. He sure can sing. Sing. God help us. You ain't going to help nobody unless you tell them the truth. God can deliver somebody from any kind of sin. He can't deliver somebody from sin if you're telling them the sin ain't sin. Some of y'all don't like it. They don't know who you are, where you are. I didn't make it up. But I'm bound by supernatural calling to preach it. And listen to me. I'm committed by my own will as best as I know how to practice it. That's the best I can do. Now, here's my invitation. How about joining me? You make serious being right with God if you're going to worship him. And start before you get here. It will make our experiences here that much better. Our Father... For all that you're saying and doing. Please help us. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Pastor, I'm going to heaven because I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I know that I have Bible reasons to prove it. If you know that, would you raise your hand all over the building? And God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Put your hands down. Now, Christian, you're going to have to think. We're not picking on anybody, but all of us are going to have to get real with God, introspectively with God, and say, God, I'm handling serious business when it comes to worshiping you. God, what in my life needs to change? What needs to go? What needs to come? You, 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 the priesthood of the believers, you, you, have to, you have to work your way through the weeds and find the mind of God. But ladies and gentlemen, you're never going to find God's mind in gray areas if you ignore him in the black and white. You'll never get more clarity and obscurity if you will not give cognizance to that which is obvious. And I cannot expect God to help me where I'm unsure if I won't heed where I am sure. Pastor, God has spoken to me today. I certainly don't want to be guilty of manufacturing. Certainly don't want to be a fleshly minister or a frivolous manufacturer. I want to do it the way God said. I need wisdom to know what's right. I need the grace to sustain it and the courage to obey. That's you. God spoken to you all over the building. Would you put your hand up? God bless you. All across the building. And God bless you. Put your hand down. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today. I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. I'm very serious about this stuff, beloved. 
I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, Pastor, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? Let me pray for you. God bless you. And there's another hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Nobody wants you saved any more than God does. God help us. Anyone else? Now, Father, help us. Help us to make some, some moves based on the message to do better. The price for Nadab and Abihu was a steep one. One that none of us want to pay. God, you're worthy of the right worship. And would you help us to make sure we give it to you? In Jesus' name.